This is Dyson UBX, the podcast, episode 288 for the week of February 5th, 2012. Hello, aloha, os, welcome to Dyson UBX, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dyson UBX. That's correct. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of the entertaining doing a swapped schedule kind of thing i am early morning mike over here and out in japan we have a uh, late evening julian i don't know how you do this week in week out it's kind of crazy yeah well somehow i managed to make the time and half the time we end up screwing up the schedules and not being able to talk <laughs> anyway so you know yeah it's good to have you though we're uh like i said we're flipped here i've got my coffee and i don't know what you have i have i have got this room in here which is crowded with stuff but it's at least more organized than it used to be <laughs> all right it was a disaster up until a, about a month ago when i actually decided to clean it excellent well that is your mini recording studio i suppose so julian in yeah. japan here yes from daizenshu ex that is the place the thing you're listening to right now how are things going sir pretty good I mean, the year is winding down for my job, so all the third-year students are off taking college exams and trying to act like miniature adults, and <laughs> meanwhile, my daughter is learning lots and lots of new words, including enjoying calling me by my first name. <laughs> I have to say, no, I'm daddy. Daddy. Love it. Does she call you, uh, I guess, any kind of addressing that she does? Is is it more in English or in Japanese? She calls me daddy, yeah. usually. Sometimes she calls my father-in-law Otosan because that's what my wife calls him. Mm, okay. So she kind of knows these words are directed at this person, but not necessarily what yes. they mean. Yeah. But she also calls him Ji-chan, so it, I guess it balances out. All right. That's good. All right. Cool. Good to hear. We got Julian who's doing well off over there in Japan. That leaves me. My name is Mike Vegito EX, ring-leading circuses of podcastular awesomeness, I suppose. It's a fun week. Uh, we've already recorded the topic with our buddy Jake uh, Herms from Constantine. So Julian, you and I, we're just doing the surrounding stuff in a week with no news. Fantastic. So you and I, uh, we're, we're doing the pre-show banter right now before we hit the non-news and then the topic. And then we have, I think, <laughs> two releases because things are canceled. So that cuts out a lot of February, March releases. <laughs> and uh, then we, we've got a bunch of feedback on the topic. So that's good. I guess the only thing yes. I want to toss out here before we hit the topic is our good buddy Drabaz, who we talked to, oh geez, let me check. That was back on episode 264 of our podcast here he uh his name is doug he did a level in little big planet which is a platforming game on the ps3 that was uh it was a custom created dragon ball level well as a part of uh the team four star dbz abridged fan art contest he created an all new level and it's a dragon ball level oh. but it's a dbz abridged specific level so if you have the game i recommend you check it out before you watch the video uh just experience it that way first but he did have a video that he was able to put up and i think this is also a great testament to the community in a bunch of other ways because doug made the level but he didn't have the capacity to capture video from it so he's like um can, can you help me you know what i can do mm. this toss out the request on twitter almost immediately two people are like yep got the game got hd capture device what you need and they were able to all come Fantastic. together and just uh help each other out and get video of it up there and he put it together you can search for for it so uh props to everyone out there that's all i got there's no news <laughs> you want to say anything before we get rid of you for like an hour well um ain't social media great yeah 
Good times, good times. All right, Julian, you're going to step away for a bit. We're going to talk to our buddy right. Herms from Konzentai. The topic this week is all about Dr. Slump, a primer to the series because of that crossover in Dragon Ball and kind of branching off of the uh, very interesting topic we had a couple weeks ago about General Blue. So we just decided to talk a little bit on you know, a more larger grand scale about Dr. Slump, give you an introduction and talk a little bit about Is It Canon? So look forward to that discussion. We'll talk with Jake and then Julian, you'll come back in a while. All right. I'll see you then. It's been a few episodes, probably a few months at this point, but he approached me with a topic idea and who am I to turn him down? Herms, Jake, sir, from the website called Konzentai. Welcome back to my podcast here. Hello. Let's see if we can get this recorded before anything else gets canceled. <laughs> uh, Dr. Slump is already over, Jake. Oh, well, yeah, but. Any more Blu-rays or DVDs or 3D releases of the series? <laughs> Announce it and five moments later, or five moments, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Jake, you approached me and said, hey, you guys talked about Dr. Slump a little bit, one little scene. Why don't we talk about Dr. Slump in a little more detail? And I said, sir, it's a great idea. Yeah, because I think the uh, Dr. Slump crossover has always been kind of a stumbling block for a lot of fans, because obviously Dr. Slump, the anime, has never been released in America, and uh, Viz did put out the manga, but it wasn't ever a really big seller like Dragon Ball is. So most people just aren't familiar with those characters. Right. So it's very jarring. With Dragon Ball, it's usually very easy to understand. You can watch it raw and just figure, have a good idea what's going on. So oh, it's totally. very, stra very strange to have a story arc where suddenly nothing makes any sense unless you've read this whole previous series. Right. Never do we have characters that show up out of nowhere and you're just expected to know who they are. And then we learn via flashback or something. It's you're very properly and very gradually introduced to everyone. And here it's, well, you know, all 20 of these characters. Let's go. And so I was thinking that with the podcast, we could help the people who aren't familiar with Dr. Slump have the basic background information they need to finally make sense of those chapters and episodes. Right. It's like you said, the TV adaptation never came out here. The manga was released by Viz. Did they finish it? I don't know that I finished buying it, but I think I have most of it. I believe they did finish it. Okay, so... Uh, couple years ago, probably. It's definitely out there. But again, it's usually not hanging out on store shelves anymore. So if you're not looking for it, you might not find it. So I guess let's talk about Dr. Slim. Just a, a brief little overview of it. You and I have talked quite a bit about this. Toriyama was already famous by the time he did Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, in the United States, if, you, if you've heard of Dr. Slump at all, it's more of a trivia a bit of trivia that Dragon Ball fans know. They know that Toriyama did this other series before Dragon Ball, but it's not really well known on its own. But in Japan, Dr. Slump was pretty big. It actually uh, broke records for the f number of first editions of some of its manga volumes that came out. And um, I think the previous record horror holder was uh, Doraemon, and then it was the next big thing, and then probably today it's One Piece, but yeah, yeah. for its time, it was a big, giant thing. Basically, it's what established Toriyama's fame. So Dragon Ball started in 1984. Dr. Slump had been going for quite a few years before that. Yeah, it ran from uh, 1980 to 1984, and leading up to that, Toriyama, he... Got, he first got into contact with Jump because they were running this um, little contest to see if you could get your manga published in there. And so Toriyama was kind of hard up for money. 
So he sent something in, and that got rejected. But uh, Kazuhiko Torishima, the guy who uh, looked over Toriyama's manuscript, he said, maybe this guy has some potential. So he got in contact with Toriyama, and Toriyama kept sending in more and more manuscripts for a while. Uh, 500 pages worth of manuscripts, according to Wikipedia, anyway. That's so crazy. And they're all rejected, every one, until finally he made his debut with Awawa World, and then this sort of followed by a couple other short works like Wonder Island and Tomato Girl Detective. And then finally he got a he's built up enough popularity for him to get his own continuing series, and that was Dr. Slump. That was really famous, and then that led to Dragon Ball, and the rest is history. So, he was kind of this uh, special one-shot guest appearance guy showing up from time to time before Dr. Slump. Yeah, it's a relatively common route for people who are just breaking into the business. Gotcha. Now, you noted here that he had a couple characters that showed up before Dr. Slump, but kind of got incorporated into it. Yeah, if you've ever seen, I don't think um, Tomato has ever been really least on its own, but there have been uh, sample pages that have been shown in some of the Dragon Ball guidebooks. And in fact, one of the characters is essentially a Superman, or rather Superman's secret identity, Kura Aku Kenta. <laughs> right. Which, as you may tell, is a parody of Clark Kent from Superman. And so in that work, he's actually the bad guy who Tomato has to arrest. Gotcha. And then I think he was in a couple of the other uh, unseen little, uh, the things that, the various things that got rejected that were n- never in Jump. And also a Nico-chan from Dr. Slump was another thing from, I don't think he was in a, any of the one shots that was actually published. It was another from the things that were rejected. Oh, all right. Because uh, Tori Shima, he said, Toriyama would keep drawing these really disgusting disgusting characters and Torishima just told him to stop doing that and to draw cute characters. <laughs> All right. And so so in Dr. Slump, of course, it stars this cute little girl, but Toriyama did get the last laugh in that he managed to sneak Nico-chan in there eventually. Yeah, uh, Nico-chan's a pretty great character. We'll talk a little bit more about these characters in a bit. So is there anything else we want to say about just uh, setting the stage for Dr. Slump here? Oh, like I've got here, it has two different anime adaptations. And the first one came out while the manga was running, the same pattern as Dragon Ball. And then that ended when the manga ended. And then it was replaced by the anime adaptation for Dragon Ball. And of course, that was followed by Z and GT. And then, interestingly enough, when GT ended, it was replaced by a remake anime series. And this actually had all new character designs for most of the main cast. Yeah. And so like Arale, she has black hair instead of purple hair. And um, Midori, she has this kind of brown hair that's not really frizzy. And everyone looks really different. It's kind of, I mean, I think the general consensus is that this remake was kind of a dud. Right. It's got a pretty good theme song. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) So there we go. That is Dr. Slump. I guess we'll uh, get a little more in-universe-y here and start talking about where it takes place, and uh, eventually we'll turn over to Dragon Ball here. So I guess tell me a little bit about uh, Penguin Village and the characters here. So it's called Dr. Slump, and this title is supposed to refer to Senbei, Senbei Noramaki, who is this genius inventor, who he's kind of like Bulma in that he's really good at making these brilliant inventions that do whatever he wants. Well, sort of, kind of. Sort of, but if if you need a device that will shrink you or travel through time, he's your man. But in just every day, everything else, he's kind of an idiot. And so he spends most of the series trying to think of ways to peep at woman, and it usually backfires. He was supposed to be the main character. That was what Toriyama wanted, because... You can actually see quite a few similarities between Toriyama and Senbei. Oh, totally, yeah. It's like a self-insertion story here. Basically. But uh, Torishima, his editor, and I should say for briefly here, Torishima 
was uh, Toriyama's editor for all of Dr. Slump, and then for Dragon Ball up to the end of the 23rd, Tenka Ichibudokai. Right. He's uh, immortalized as Dr. Mashirito in Dr. Slump, but I'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Torishima is, um, Torishima insisted that uh, Toriyama have, uh, instead of Senbei, have this little girl Arale be the main character. Originally, an Arale is a robot who Senbei invents, and he tries to pass her off as a regular girl. The, essentially, the idea is that he wants to make something indistinguishable from a real person, and so if he fools the villagers, then his invention will be a success. And it just keeps going on from there, but this was originally just supposed to be one of his many inventions, and then each story would be a new invention. And that's kind of how it goes at first, but pretty quickly, Arale herself becomes the main character, and Senbei becomes more and more of a supporting cast member. Yeah, yeah. And so all of this takes place within Penguin Village, which is set on Gengoro Island, which is supposed to be part of Japan, although it really, really doesn't look it. It's like its own alternate reality more than anything else. It's all very crazy, like the bank will be shaped like a safe deposit box, or there's the uh, local coffee joint, which is shaped like a coffee pot. Oh, yeah, and it's called Coffee Pot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the coffee pot. <laughs> and all these things. And there's a house that's shaped like a shoe, and it's like this fantasy fairy tale world. Yeah, yeah. But it's supposed to be Japan, and they mention real-world places fairly frequently. Like, they mention America and Africa and China, but it's all very... It's like Monty Python in that... Or Marx Brothers. It's all very off-the-wall in that uh, Arale, she frequently splits the Earth in half, and then it just goes back to normal on on its own. And the sun talks, and all these things, and it's very, very surreal. Most of the stories, they're all just filled with these crazy things, and it's mostly just one-shot stories. Each chapter is a self-contained story, and typically they don't go on longer than that, but occasionally there are uh, more longer-running story arcs, but they tend to top out at about six chapters. So all in all, it's very much the opposite of Dragon Ball, which has these very long-running story arcs that can go on for almost a hundred chapters. Right, it's the kind of thing where once you're introduced to all the characters, and there are more that come in later on down the road, but you can kind of pick up any volume you want and just read a couple chapters, have a good time. Yeah, uh, it's one of the series' strengths, really. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, I mean, it works with that kind of story. Yeah, and, it, and just in the same vein, you can kind of watch any episode of the TV version that you want and have a good time there too yeah it's uh, very similar um i mean to the stereotypical american cartoon in that regard yeah, like yeah. The simpsons right simpsons you can watch any order there are new characters every now and then but all in all you don't really need to pay attention to continuity so i guess we've kind of set the stage for dr slump how toriyama created it where it's taking place and the reason that we're talking about it here is because well there's a crossover in dragon ball that toriyama wrote into the red ribbon arc so uh to kind of like you were saying to kind of help fans who have never heard of dr slump or never had a chance to read it we're going to talk about who some of these characters are and i think you get enough of them in the manga and especially in the tv version that maybe you don't really need an introduction but hopefully this can help in a little bit in some capacity. Hopefully. Most of these are divided up into households or groups like that. And so the main group, of course, is the Norimaki household. And so this is Senbei and his family. First off is Senbei himself. And like I said, this is the Dr. Slump of the title. Because originally he was going to be the main character, but that didn't really pan out. And he's an inventor who eventually they explain that he lives by selling his inventions, but this isn't ever really the forefront of the stories. And he creates Arale in the first chapter. So he's a huge pervert. He's basically the Kame Senen of the series. And this also makes him very similar to Toriyama himself, yeah. or at least what we can glean of Toriyama from his interviews. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He meets, once he takes Arale to school to ha pass her off as a regular student, he meets uh, Arale 
Kale's teacher, Midori Yamabuki, and this becomes his main crush throughout the series. And so about mid halfway through the series, they eventually marry because he actually proposes to her by accident. Because he's just talking to himself, saying, oh, I should, he's like, he's fantasizing about proposing to her. And he doesn't realize that she's in the bathroom overhearing him. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, it's kind of like Dragon Ball in that regard, where marriage is almost an accident. Yeah, and that's how they treat it. It just goes, this is this all takes place in one chapter. It's not built up or uh, right. drawn out in any way. It's just done with like that. And so they marry, and then they have, later on, they have a baby boy named Turbo. There are some chapters in Dr. Slump where they go 10 years into the future. And so we see that he and Midori eventually have two more children, a baby girl and a baby boy. And one of the baby girl is named Nitro, but we don't know the kid's, the boy's name. And so one of uh, Senbei's uh, little peculiarities is that during the part of the series where he's trying to woo Midori, he will be able to temporarily shift from his regular goofy appearance into this more handsome appearance. But he says he can only hold this for a minute. So he's like <laughs> Ultraman in that regard. Right, right. Uh, in, the, in the crossover in the manga, he doesn't do this, but in the anime, they insert it. And this really freaks Goku out when he sees this. His role in the crossover, essentially, is that he tries to fix Goku's dragon radar, but he can't because it's much too complicated for him. And he's very alarmed to learn that this radar has actually been put together by a teenage girl. Right. He doesn't like the idea that there's someone in the world smarter than him. But of course, his own son is smarter than him, although he's not smart enough to realize this. <laughs> right. And I guess that takes us to the real main character and uh, Goku's pal for a couple chapters. Yes, Arale. This is a quote-unquote perfectly human android created by Senbei. It's never really explained why he builds her, but as near as we can tell from the first chapter, he's trying to fool the villagers by making an android so lifelike it can't be distinguished from a real person. Right. And so he shows her around the village, and people. someone says like, oh, she has no uh, nostrils, and Senbei says, no one has nostrils, Toriyama doesn't draw nostrils. We later learn that she doesn't have a belly button, so he messed up there. Right. But her main, the main thing which distinguishes her from a normal person is that she's inc basically indestructible and incredibly strong, which we see frequently throughout the series. So, she, like I said before, she constantly punched the Earth in half. And she runs at uh, supersonic speeds. They say her record is uh, 1.5 mocks. Incidentally, Goku says something about like, oh, she's as fast as Kintoan. So in the Daizenshu, they say like, Kintoan is 1.5 mock. Ah, so that's where they pull that from. Yeah, so it's all sort I mean, basing anything that scientific on Dr. Slump I know, is right? <laughs> very risky proposition. Well, just talking about her strength and her durability, we kind of see that. And we'll talk about some of this later on, too. But uh, when Blue is holding the knife up to her and he's looking around and no one really seems concerned about this and somebody's like that's kind of dangerous and not for the reason you think yeah this is a running gag throughout dr slump is that people just will try and take arale hostage not knowing that she's vastly stronger than they are and this actually kind of gets this is an idea that gets recycled in at the start of gt when people try and take goku hostage. right totally so it's Pretty much the same thing. So she's a robot. She's, uh, but no one except Senbei and later Obochaman know it. And, uh, Ma Dr. Mashirito, he knows it too, but he's dead by this point. So <laughs> he doesn't count. All right. And it's never, again, okay, it's never really explained why Senbei just keeps this, uh, why he keeps this charade up all these years. You'd think by now he could just say, well, I've, I've accomplished my task of passing her off as a real person. But for some reason, he's very intent on keeping everyone else from knowing. And he claims that eventually he he, at first, he says she's his younger sister, but his parents actually died when he was really young. So eventually they find this is this fact is revealed. And so he has to change his story to say that she is, in fact, like a bone.
bonus he got in a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> a prize in a Cracker Jack box. He got a super big one, and then she was inside. You have a little note here that we actually do see, uh, I don't think in the manga, but in the TV adaptation, when Midori brings out some snacks, that uh, Arale, she drinks her power source out of a bottle. Yeah, um, her power source is Ro- Robobiton A, which is this liquid that's made from seawater, actually. It's all she eats. She can actually eat regular food, but it just goes undigested into her stomach. And Senbei will sometimes take it out and eat it himself. <laughs> All right. And so, so, but her real food is this uh, stuff. Looks kind of like gasoline, and she drinks it out of this little baby bottle. If she doesn't drink this for long enough, she'll just uh, shut off. And this is her one of her few weaknesses. Right. So it comes up a few times where she'll run out of energy at the worst possible moments to raise the drama. And so, yeah, in the anime version, Goku actually sees her drinking from this bottle, and he sees uh, the gachans eating uh, just random machinery parts, which <laughs> is what they eat. Right. When at, in the first chapter, when Senbei, he makes her from nothing, and he he says, someone asks how old she is, and he says, oh, 13 years old. And they say, oh, she doesn't look that old. And she's like, oh, just be quiet would you but and so right from the start she's a lot younger than she looks and because she's a robot never ages this becomes more and more of a problem throughout the series so that by the end she's about 17 years old but she looks like she's 10 yeah in toriyama child years it's really impossible to tell yeah and uh we should say that the dr slump um more or less time passes more or less consistently with how much time passes during its serialization. Okay. So it ran for four years, so in-universe, about four years pass. So it's not like Dragon Ball where uh, all the kids grow up, but they do graduate from high school. They Senbei, you know, gets married, has a kid. So a little time passes. Gotcha. But, of course, a lot of the main characters never age, so it goes against that. So anyway, um, and this is kind of a spoiler, but Dr. Slump isn't really a series that's about dramatic revelations, so I think <laughs> no. we can say this. Sure, sure. So at the end of the Dr. Slump manga, they have a big race to decide who will be the new mayor of Penguin Village, because the current mayor is a penguin, appropriately enough, but he wants to go back to the Arctic. And so they decide to choose their leader in the only sensible way by having a big race. And Arale wins and they make her mayor. And we can only guess how this turns out. But in the crossover, they never mention this and you never guess. So maybe it's inconsistent, but I'm not sure. It's like, how could you possibly? She's still in high school and she's supposed to be mayor. So how does this work? So who knows? In the crossover itself, she uh, finds Goku when he comes into Penguin Village and she just kind of hangs around with him. Yeah. Because she's... um, she has a very deranged personality, and she just likes anything she thinks is cool. Yeah. Which can be anything from, like, robots to poop. She has an unexplained obsession with poop, where she just um, put it on a stick and then shove it in people's faces to freak them out. And uh, this definitely happens in the TV adaptation of the crossover, but I don't think it happens in the manga. Nope, that's another of those things. And she does that to Blue, and he freaks out because he says that he, quote, Hates woman and poop. <laughs> the only two things. And then, of course, Gachan comes down with a an enormous Giant. pile of poop. So, And all the poop, um, for they, they're all alive. Yes, they the, are swirly piles of poop that have smiles. Yeah, because in Penguin Village, everything seems to be alive. There's the sun, poop, mountains, boots, all these things. Yeah, yeah. There's this great chapter where they have a game of hide and seek. And so Senbei, he finds a mountain hiding underwater. 
because even the mountains play hide and seek. All right, so we've kind of talked about the two most major characters in Dr. Slump. So let's start talking about uh, some of the more minor characters that do show up in the crossover here. We've already talked about them. Gachan. Technically, the, this gets confusing because he start in Dr. Slump, he starts out as one person, splits into two. And so in the crossover, there are two of them. But they share the same name and they have no distinct identities. So it's th- they're like a hive mind or something. Right. And so their their proper name is Gajira, which Arale names him because she's obsessed with monsters. And so she names him after Godzilla or Gojira and Gamera. So you stick those together, you get Gajira. But most people call him uh, Gachan. And so we eventually learn towards the end of the series that Gachan is an angel sent to Earth by God, the god of the galaxy, it's explained, in prehistoric times to uh, halt the technological progress on Earth to prevent um, any dangerous technology from developing. And he does this by devouring any technology he happens to see. I mean, he basically eat anything, even dirt, but right. he prefers machines of any sort. But he won't eat rubber, that's the one thing. And eventually it's explained that the only reason he won't eat Arale herself, because she's a robot, is that she's actually made from a special kind of rubber. Unfortunately, Toriyama himself isn't so lucky, and they, you know, in his robot form, and they eat him. <laughs> awesome. And so, Arale and Senbei, Senbei invents a time machine, they go back to the day, days of the dinosaurs, they find this egg, they take it back. This is, I think, the first volume, maybe the second, really early in the series. And so it hatches into Gachan. They, they were expecting a dinosaur, but it's just this little uh, floating... It's like a, He's like a baby yeah, with yeah. antenna and wings. Very angelic, except maybe for the antenna. And so they're baffled by this, but they just kind of roll with it. And so eventually uh, he goes into a cocoon and he comes out two more. I mean, he splits into two, so there's two of them. And it's... I don't think they ever explicitly s- explain this, but it's, I guess, supposed to be that eventually they, they just keep multiplying so that they can cover the whole planet right, right. and get rid of any dangerous technology that way. And we see when they go into the future that in the future there are eight gachans. So who knows how long it'll go at this rate. Anyway, they have their own little language where it's like, uh, like, koopy-pee-po-po-po-po. Right, right, koopy, lots of koopy talk. Basically. And Arale can understand them instinctively, somehow, but she can't really speak their language. And only uh, Turbo, who's a super genius, he can actually speak with them. And so... It's, um, you, you don't often see that they're strong because Arale is typically strong enough to handle any challenges, but during the few times when Arale gets outmatched, then the Gachans will step in and save the day. Right, they they totally, who'd they scorch for a bit? Because I'm confusing, I watched uh, movie three for a little bit as well, so I'm confusing the fight against Blue and the fight against Tao Pai Pai. I think they might do both of them. But, Probably did. Um, in the anime, they, I know they shock Blue. In the manga, they don't do that, but okay. that is their, their, their main attack is shooting electricity out of their antenna. Right, right. And they're really strong. At one point they stop the moon when it's about to collide with the Earth. Oh, nice. Helpful. So factor that into any strength debates you may have. (laughs) Anyway, that's about all that is with them. And in the crossover, they just hang out with Arale and she says like, oh, they're really strong and Goku's, he freaks out because turns out that all these people in Penguin Village are yeah. stronger than he is. Yeah, that's his big concern. It's like, well, you know, Arale is running super fast. She's kicking the crap out of Blue, and these two are uh, using this lightning attack, and he's, he, I believe he invites them to come to the Tenkaichi Budokai next time. Yeah, yeah, he says that. And unfortunately, that never happens, but... We can dream. All right, so those are uh, the, the main ones. I mean, Gajira's 
a little lower on the totem pole, but these are all, I don't want to say they're incidental characters because they're major characters in Dr. Slump, but in terms of the Dragon Ball crossover, you get a couple facts on them and you're pretty much good to go. We kind of already talked about Midori a little bit. Yeah, she's Senbei's wife, and originally she was Arale's teacher in middle school, and so Senbei has a crush on her. Eventually they marry, and she gives birth to a son, Turbo. And she doesn't really do anything in the crossover. <laughs> Although Goku mistakes her for uh, Arale says, oh, here's the doctor. And right. goes up to Just runs over to Midori. her. All right. Well, then Turbo himself, who's a great character and has, uh, I don't want to say a major role in the crossover, but he does pretty good for himself. Yeah. He's the guy who built the dragon radar. The one that Goku uses for presumably the rest of the series. And so he's Senbei and Midori's son. He's still a baby, but uh, shortly after he was born, he was hit by a flying saucer. And so the aliens uh, tried to revive him with this technology, but because he was so young, it had an unexpected side effect and made him a super genius. He's awesome. So he can talk, but he can t- he uses all these advanced terms, but he's still a baby, so he physically can't pronounce things sometimes. So he has this lisp. Yeah, yeah. And he can he just floats in midair. He can teleport wherever he wants. He can build anything out of anything else. He's essentially Dr. Manhattan as a baby. <laughs> it's true. Because after the Dragon Radar is destroyed, he's like, well, I memorized it. So I can just make yeah. it again. And he just makes it out of plane parts. Yeah, I don't know where he got that green kind of glass outer casing for it from the airplane. Who knows? Just <laughs> Already cut into a circular yeah. pattern. I don't know. He's just that good. <laughs> right. And not only that, but he's got... Uh, I don't know, some kind of psychic powers that I wouldn't say he can counter Blue, but he undoes the powers that are used on Goku. Yeah, when Goku's paralyzed, he kind of just points his fingers at Goku and Goku can move again. Right. And he does various things like that throughout Dr. Slump. And so he obviously he's already smarter than Senbei, but Senbei is, does, is kind of slow to it's realize no this. Idea. And he often helps out Senbei without knowing, as we see in the series where Senbei can't understand the dragon radar, but uh, Turbo just psychically does something and fixes it. And everyone thinks Senbei fixed it. Well, he does, too. It's like, did I do something? Wait a second. Yeah, it's like, what happened? So that's another thing that's kind of not recycled. It's more of a reference to things that happen in Dr. Slump. Yeah, yeah. And so next, so that's it for the Noramaki household. And so now we have the uh, Soramame household. And this is the other main family. And two of these people, they're Arale's friends from school. And so first is Taro. And so he's uh, he's three years older than Arale is supposed to be. So he's uh, 15. No, wait. He's 16 at the start of the series. By the end, he's about 20. And so he... He's this kind of stereotypical hoodlum character where he wears shades, he smokes, drinks, yeah, yeah. all the things he's not supposed to do. And I think then, he's of course, a pretty cool be- guy. Yeah. And then eventually he becomes a policeman. Yep. Interestingly enough. Which is how we see him in the crossover. Yeah, mainly. And it's more so in the anime. In yeah, the yeah. manga, he kind of, he drives by in his motorcycle and he's actually on a date with his girlfriend and Akane says like, what are you doing just goofing off? You're supposed uh, to be a police officer. That's right. That's right. And that's uh, all we see in the manga. But in the anime, he plays a major role in the subplot, uh, assisting the police and trying to repel the Red Ribbon Army. And so he, interestingly, throughout Dr. Slump, his the fact that he will eventually be a policeman is uh, actually predicted several times because Senbei invents things that like events a camera that shows the future and events a time machine and so whenever they have stuff like that here be a policeman in the future and so at the end of the series he finally becomes a policeman in the present timeline foreshadowing I guess you could say and so um, he's dating Sururin who is from the Soon 
household, another one of the major households in the series. And so it's shown that in the future they marry, and they're shown on a date in the manga, but not in the anime. And in the anime also, he's shown to not be able to ride Kintoen because he's just such a bad delinquent hoodlum kid. Yeah, his past catching up with him there. And so he has a younger brother named Pisuke. This guy, he's really short. He wears this kind of cat earring hat thing, cat ear hat. Yeah, yeah. And he's another character who, like Alrale, looks vastly younger than he really is. And so he's actually seven. He's the same age Alrale is supposed to be. And so in the crossover, he's about 17 years old, but he still looks like a five-year-old looks like a kid yeah and the hat's not helping because he has his little kid hat and he never it's the joke is that he this is very purposeful he never gets taller no matter how much he wants to and so even as an adult in the future with a wife and child he's still exactly the same height but he has a mustache now but he still has the same stupid hat right so never really learns and he's kind of the stereotypical good kid compared to taro and so he talks about how he's going he'll be doing his homework over the vacation just like they he's supposed to and Akane is like, ah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah. And so their father is uh, named Kuri Kinton. And this is a uh, Japanese dish that is sweet potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes, sweetened with chestnuts. So Kuri and chestnut. But the joke is that Kuri Kinton kind of sounds like Clint you know, with the Japanese accent. And so he looks like Clint Eastwood. Gotcha. Kind of from the Dirty Harry era. And yeah, it's yeah. said that he was, a, he was a formal detective. And so he's better at being a policeman than the actual police officers, which isn't saying much. But <laughs> Not in this show. No. But currently, he's the town barber. And he has the barber shop where he actually lives with his family. And so in the manga, he appears when uh, when Pisuke gets, goes home and his, he's like doing the V sign or whatever, just trying to... Right. It's just essentially going like, hey, look at me, I'm in this series right, right. too. And Similar to Sendai. Kid. Yeah, it's the running joke is that everybody does this in the manga. And so that's about all he does in the crossover. And so that's it for that household. And now we go to the Kimidori household. And this includes Akane, who's another one of Arale's main friends. And like Taro, she's this kind of delinquent. And she has like, she hangs out in a gang of squirrel girls. And unlike him, she never really gets better. We learn that in the future, she runs her uh, older sister runs the coffee pot. Oh, okay. And so we learn that in the future, she takes over, but she she's so rude to everybody that there's hardly any customers anymore. It's very efficient the way they do this, where there's this one family, and then there's a Chinese family, and then how the only the only two characters who are the same age they all date each other. So in the same way that Taro dates Sururin, uh, Akane dates Sukusun. And so in the future, they marry. And very efficient how they all pair off. And she can't write Kintoen either in the anime, we see. Right, she just falls through too. Yeah, and I mean, in the crossover, she mostly complains about how stupid everyone is, which is what she does in the series mostly. Yeah, she's one of the first characters. Well, I mean, we see the, the announcement of this is Penguin Village from, what is it, a pig up in the tree? I can't yeah, remember. the pig wearing glasses. <laughs> but in terms of regular humans, she's one of the first ones we see introduced the crossover. And it's kind of interesting I mean, because in the manga, it's much more of her introducing everything. While in the anime, it's kind of, she's not quite in that role. Right, and we don't really have a, a formal setup for how we're going to talk about this. But I guess we can say that one of the main differences between the manga and the TV is that in the manga, they're kind of just walking down the road. But in the TV adaptation, are they in the the coffee pot just kind of sitting there talking? Yeah, they're in there. In the manga version, they're all walking and all these characters are coming along saying, I have have nothing to do with this story, but I wanted to make an appearance. Right, it's in the bottom corner of the panel. Yeah, and this increasingly irritates her. And she's, they're walking home, so people, they reach... 
different people's houses, so they go off. But she's the one who kind of stays till the end. Yeah, yeah. And so she's getting increasingly annoyed at all these gratuitous cameos. So we kind of see things through her perspective, more or less. Yeah, yeah. She has an older sister who you might mistake for her mother if you're just if you're not familiar with Slump and are just uh, reading the manga. And so, and her sister's named Aoi, and she's the one who runs the coffee pot, like I said. And in the manga, she just um, shows up briefly when Akane finally gets home. And the the payoff to the whole running gag of Akane getting annoyed at the cameos is that she uh, tells her sister not to do the V-sign, and her sister has no idea what she's talking about. And so, so that's it for them. And there are other characters from that household we see, but they're not in the crossover. That brings us to the Soon household. And these, these are from China, family from China, and their father is an inventor, kind of like Senbei, builds a rocket ship to go to the moon, but it crashes in Penguin Village, and so they just set up living there for the rest of the series. And so there's this very elaborate uh, linguistic joke that always goes on with them, where amongst themselves they speak in fake Chinese, where everything's written in kanji, even things that wouldn't normally be in Japanese, but they otherwise, uh, it's too hard to explain, but I mean, it's fake Chinese, but Japanese people can understand. Gotcha. And then but when they talk to the uh, Penguin Village characters, they talk in broken Japanese. Anyway, so they're all supposedly Chinese, but they're just stereotypes. So, you know, they're all kung fu fighters yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And so the uh, younger son is named uh, Sukusun, and he's he's younger than his sister, but he's actually much taller than she is. And so I often see people assume that he's the older sibling. Right. And for um, absolutely no reason we're given, whenever he's touched by a woman, he turns into this uh, tiger man. And then when he touches men, he turns back to normal. And then he's a martial artist and he's always training. It's eventually revealed that when he gets mad enough, he just loses control and is stronger than Arale and Gachan. And this is sort of near the end of the series. Uh, there's this genie villain who they all fight, and uh, Sukusun is the only one who can defeat him. Oh, geez. You're throwing all these power conversations out of whack here. Yeah. He may be the strongest Earthling character. <laughs> it's true. So who knows? Quite stronger possible. than Tenshinhan. Who knows? Anyway, um, so because of all his kung fu training and whatnot, in the anime, Akane uh, thinks he might know Goku. He's like talking to him, saying, oh, yeah, you know, I saw this uh, kung Kung Fu guy. Maybe you know him. Right. But he doesn't do much else. And so he has a, a older sister named Sururin, who is another character with psychic powers for reasons we're not given. She's just, she dates Taro, like I said before. And in the manga, they're seen on a date, but she never appears at all in the anime version. And then there's their father, Sukuten, who's an inventor, and he's... A big, he's a bigger pervert than Senbei, even. Okay, in the manga, he appears, he's one of the parents who appear while they're dropping everyone off when they're coming home from school. But that scene is cut in the anime, but he does appear briefly standing outside this um, restaurant, which is supposed to be a dirty restaurant. So it's this very quick in-joke that you kind of have to know Dr. Slump to get. Right, right. And so then there, uh, his wife is named Sun Sun Sunoda no Teyugo. And this is a, a abs purposely absurdly long name, which is actually a reference to an old Japanese bike commercial, where it's uh, Tsunoda is a Japanese bike maker, and they had a TU model. And so this was their catchphrase, Sun Sun Tsunoda's TU model. So Sun Sun Tsunoda no Teyugo. And it's an elaborate joke that Toriyama admits no one will understand. <laughs> right, but he threw it in anyway, because that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, and she doesn't appear in the anime either. So now we have a guy who's kind of on his own. He doesn't have any family. 
because he killed his only family. Uh, <laughs> Obochaman. Yeah, he, we kind of glossed over what he is uh, when we had our larger conversation about his scene. So I'm glad we have a chance to talk about him here. Yeah, so Obochaman is an android created by Senbei's rival, the evil Dr. Mashirito. And Mashirito is based off of Toriyama's editor at the time, Kazuhiko Torishima. So if you reverse the syllables in Torishima, you get Mashirito. Right. He looks, so he's like a caricature of Torishima, and he's obsessed with taking over the world. And it's just essentially Toriyama getting back at his boss for being a jerk sometimes <laughs> by turning him into this idiotic yeah, yeah. villain. And so uh, Mashirito is the closest thing Dr. Slump has to a villain, a main antagonist. Yeah. He's constantly, he has a series of... Uh, robots who he calls the Carmel Man series. And so there's Carmel Man number one, number two, number three. It's very similar to Dr. Garrow and his androids. I say, it's kind of like Dr. Wily in a way, too. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. And so eventually, he uh, so he keeps getting defeated by Arale, and so he finally just copies Arale. And so this is Carmel Man number four. He kind of, so it's this guy who's like, it's like a male version of Arale, but his personality is exactly the opposite. So Arale is completely crazy and improper while well, he's just this little uh, spoiled, prim and proper rich kid. And this is what this is where his name comes from. See, eventually he, he splits off from Mashirito and he wants a new name. And so Toriyama asks his readers to actually send in suggestions. And so the winner was Obochama, which is a pun on Obochan, which is this, um, it's essentially this Japanese term for like a spoiled rich kid, more or less. And the first episode of Dragon Ball Z is it calls Gohan this because of his uh, sheltered up. Ah, yes, a sheltered boy. Yeah, and so, anyway, so the joke is that it combines Obochama with uh, Man. Right. So, so it's like a superhero name, almost. Yeah, yeah. And so, and he looks a bit like Astro Boy, interestingly Yeah, enough. he does, he does. And so he's does everything Arale can, so, you know, he too can split the Earth in half, run supersonic speeds, all this stuff. And so this is, uh, Arale mentions this to Goku at one point when... You know, they're going over how strong everyone in the village is. Right. He's So he's created to destroy Arale, but he falls in love with her instead, because, of course, she's just like him. And so he betrays Mashirito eventually, and just takes up residence in Penguin Village. And he actually, he's very, uh, he would never intentionally do anything wrong. He's too good for that. But he does steal Superman's house, because he assumes it's abandoned. Simply because Superman isn't there at the time. At the time, yeah. Yeah, and so he's super strong, so he picks it up and moves it, and Superman so has no clue. He literally steals the house. Yes. So Superman comes home, his house isn't there, and so he's stuck living in a tent the rest of the series. <laughs> nice. And we do see a suit in the anime, we see Superman's tent very briefly when Blue is kind of checking out the village. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, Obochaman, he becomes a... He gets a job delivering milk, and he gets these two cats... And so, eventually, there's this big tournament with a uh, big prize money, which Mashirito enters. He finally turns himself into a robot. And so, he's entering to try and destroy RLA, but so, there's a big fight. Man, and he Mashirito really is Dr. Garrow. Yeah, it's really amazing. And so, anyway, Mashirito is finally defeated for good, and uh, Obochaman is the one who does it. And he gets the prize money, which he spends on cat food. It's like, I don't know, thousands of dollars. Nice. He gets this huge amount of cat food to take care of his two pet cats. And in the manga, at least, he mentions his cats in passing, that he has to work hard over vacation to right. support them. Oh, yeah. And we learn in the future that uh, he and Arale get married. 
and they live in his his stolen house. And <laughs> and Senbei builds a robot baby for them. Hard to imagine where this family can go, but with a baby that's never going to grow up. They're both kids. It's very perverse. Anyway, speaking of perverse... I was going to say, we've got a couple uh, very, very interesting characters here that do play a role, especially in the TV version here. So uh, let's get into Superman and then Nico-chan. Yeah, so... As I've been throwing the name around, if you've been wondering why I keep mentioning Superman, then I'm actually not. It's Superman. Which, of course, the joke is that it sounds alike. Right. And so this is a parody of Superman. And soup, it comes from supai, which is Japanese for sour. And so he's a superhero who gets his strength from sucking lemons. And he comes from the planet Ukaka Umeboshi. And he's supposed to be here to protect Earth, but he's really, really bad at it. And so he fails constantly, and so people make fun of him, and so when he does, he shoots them. <laughs> and this is his only real talent, is just punishing people who make fun of his incompetence at getting rid of evildoers. Yeah, he's pretty terrible. It's mentioned that he has great powers, but only when it's to protect his ego. Yep. Like, he can't use his powers to help others. Anyway, so his secret identity is a reporter, Kura Aku Kenta, which is, uh, Kenta is just this, uh, generic name, and then Kura is dark and Aku is evil. So he's dark and evil Kenta. And obviously this is a joke on Clark Kent. And in this guise, he's a TV reporter, and in the anime version, we actually see him doing a report on the Red Ribbon Army. But before that, we actually see him, he encounters General Blue while Blue is trying to find his way out of the village. And so he uh, happens upon him in his uh, Kenta persona, and then he changes into Superman when he learns that Blue is evil, and he tries to stop him, but it doesn't go very well. And so he ultimately just lets Blue take his car. Pretty much his character in a nutshell. And so next there's uh, Niko-chan. I love Niko-chan so much. And this is, he's the self-styled king of the universe, and he rules the aptly named planet Niko-chan. And he's actually named after a character from the Japanese version of of the kids show Rumper Room and Nico is like a smile and uh, Chan is originally you know it's the honorific Chan right Japanese but with the character it's just part of his name right he's not Nico his, his full name is Nico Chan yeah and so, yeah exactly and so he comes to Earth to try and take it over but Gachan eats his spaceship <laughs> so he's stranded on Earth yep. for most of the series with his, he has this uh, faithful sidekick who never abandons him. Right, and they're going around collecting scrap metal. Yeah, to sell, to buy, raise enough money to buy a spaceship. And so he's kind of like the peel-off of Dr. Slump. Yeah, kind of, a little bit there. He's, he's supposed to be a villain, but he's more uh, pathetic than villainous. Right. And eventually, Senbei, just out of pity, gives him a spaceship, and so he goes home, and he just stays there the rest of the series. But um, in the manga version of the crossover, he's in the background. He's one of the characters who gives the V-sign in the background, and there's no explanation for why he's on Earth. But in the anime, they expand on this a great deal, and they show that he's actually taken a spaceship, a new spaceship to Earth, and he's, uh, ostensibly, he's trying to collect valuable resources to steal. And, <laughs> like empty bottles. Yeah, again, he's just collecting garbage. <laughs> and eventually, um, the police, they come, they're trying to find the Red Ribbon Army, and they mistake his UFO for a Red Ribbon Army weapon, and they shoot it down. So yep. apparently he's now stuck on Earth again. Again, yep. Fantastic. Just can't catch a break. And sp speaking of the police, 
that there's the Penguin Village Police Force, who are the only people in the universe less competent at dealing with evil than Superman. And um, in the manga version, the only one of these guys who appear is Taro, who, of course, joins them at the end of the, the Dr. Slump manga. Right, but this gets expanded. I wouldn't say a whole bunch, but enough in the TV adaptation to go after Nico-chan inadvertently. Yeah, and so we see the other members of the of the police force. And so there's Gala and Pagos, it's a pun on Galapagos. And this is, it's a tall guy with a mustache and then a short black guy. And they're always patrolling Penguin Village in their patrol car. And Arale is always smashing their car. Which we actually see she does to uh, Blue in uh, in the TV version there. Yeah, Blue makes the uh, considerable mistake of stealing the police patrol car. And he's very quickly smashed by Arale. And then Gachan eats the car. So that was a direct nod to these events. Yeah, it's, they do a lot more of that in the anime version. Just including more of the uh, running jokes and yeah, things yeah. like that. Gotcha. A lot more fan service. And then the, there's the police chief who's named Gauss, which is a Gamera monster. He's just a short dude. Yeah. You know, he has this very weird handlebar. Not a ha- I don't know what you'd call it. It's yeah, I don't know. Weird is he the one that was trying to put the bulletproof vest over himself? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And he's... Just really, he never does anything. No, he's just I mean, there. he's incompetent. But I mean, he, even in Doctor Slump, he never accomplishes much of anything. And but then we've got uh, Polly Buckets, who is this uh, young female police officer, and she's kind of like if you took Lunch's two personalities and stuck them together. I was gonna say you put her up against Lunch, you have a good time. Yeah. So she's an airhead who just constantly shoots anything for any reason, and this is what we see in the series mm-hmm. where she just she's standing in the police headquarters just firing just because she's angry and just wasting a lot of ammo and nearly killing the other members. So, like, there's this one scene um, in Slump where one of the storylines where Al-Raleigh is taken hostage and she's like, you know, she just fires regardless of the fact that the bad guy has hostages, which in any other series would be a tragic turn of events, but here it manages to work out. And then... That we have the last and only competent member of the police force, Charmi Yamada. And it's notable that he comes from Metropolis Island, which is this place that's mentioned a few times. It's Penguin Village is supposed to be just the sticks. Yeah, yeah. And so this is the opposite. It's a very upscale place. And it seems to be, it's either in America or it has a lot of international uh, people. And so, like, there's... At one point, there's an American, there's a Metropolis Island American high school baseball team. Apparently, it's part of America. And so probably because of this, he's the only character who has his name in Western order, besides maybe Polly herself. Oh, okay. Fair point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always Charmy Yamada. And so... Not the other way around. But anyway, he comes from uh, Metropolis Island after having successfully gotten rid of all crime. And so we learned that he did this by apparently arresting everybody. And this is what he does <laughs> in Penguin Village until he arrests everyone except Arale. And then she finally takes care of him. Nice. But he's he's kind of like Blue in that he hates poop. So obviously this is what Arale takes advantage of. Perfect, perfect. So we're going to kind of drop it there for characters. There's a whole bunch more, especially in the TV adaptation. And there's already a full outline that Jake, you've put together here. So I think first step, like most of the content that we all develop for our sites, it's going to end up as a forum post and then it'll end up on a website in the future. Yeah, and it might be difficult because I don't know if... Uh Huji actually owns any Dr. Stump manga, so we might not have a source for pictures, but we're doing something. I have the Viz release, so okay. yeah, I can help in some regard. I've got all the cons in Bond, but I don't have a scanner. Ah, <laughs> 
foiled. <laughs> All right. So there's definitely more information in that regard coming. So in terms of our discussion here, I guess let's talk a little bit about some of the differences between the manga uh, crossover and the TV version crossover. And then we're going to talk a little bit about canonicity. So uh, just... I guess breaking it down, in the manga, this is chapters 81, 82, and 83. And in the TV series for Dragon Ball, it's kind of the last half of 55, then 56 and 57. So uh, I guess let's go down the list here. What are some of the differences? Well, the main difference is, well, like you said, the in the anime version, it starts out in the second half of episode 55. And so it starts out with Dragon Ball material, then it goes into the crossover. But with the manga, it... Um, it, it just the crossover starts in chapter 81 at the beginning yeah and it's almost like they're trying to fool you into thinking this is a dr slump chapter yeah the entire chapter that first chapter there is really just here's dr slump stuff yeah it's like all the characters they're talking about oh it's been so long since we've been in jump and <laughs> all that stuff and then the the actual title page saying dragon ball doesn't come until after all those cameos have winded down and Arale's on her own and she just kind of looks up and she sees off in the distance Goku and Blue flying overhead. Right. It's like at by the time you're kind of wondering like what's going on and it's like oh uh, this is Dragon Ball but of course the effect is lost when you're reading the manga in a collected edition. Yeah. Where it's the chapters midway through a book that has Dragon Ball on the cover but <laughs> I'm sure yeah. at the time when it ran in Jump it was probably got a good response. Yeah. yeah. Full of a lot of people. Anyway so like I said Arale and friends they're all walking home from high school and it's the uh, high summer vacation and they're talking about their plans and Arale just wants to play giant monsters for the entire vacation. That's <laughs> exactly. That's all she wants to do. Kisuke, he's going to do his homework. Akane is going to goof off. They notice that Senbei is lurking around the corners of panels, just giving the V sign. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just wanted to put in an appearance. And Taro shows up with Sudurin, and they're like, well, I have nothing to do with the story, but wanted to make an appearance. They drive off. And then there's all these more characters, just tons and tons of characters in the borders of the panels. Yeah. And Akane is just like, ugh. Uh, just getting very annoyed at all these people. And then, so fine, they drop everyone off at home, and the parents of all the characters, they're doing the V sign. And it accumulates with Akane. She reaches home, and she tells her sisters, like, don't you dare do the V sign. And her sister's like, what? And so then Akane goes off. Arale's on her own. And that's when Goku and Blue show up. You know, they fight in the air, they crash, Goku meets Arale. From there, that's that's the it kind of goes pretty much the same as the anime version. And so, but with the anime version, besides starting midway through the episode, uh, Goku and Blue, they're, Goku's trying to catch up with Blue on Kintoan. And Blue just keeps going faster and faster and faster until finally something really weird happens where the sky goes, uh, the sky goes pink and the sea goes green. And it's all very strange looking and psychedelic for a while. And then it returns to normal. And that's when they reach Penguin Village. Yeah, it is very, very interesting how they transition that there. Yeah, I'm not sure what... I guess we'll talk later about what this might be implying. But yeah, right. Just leave it at that for now. And so that... they. So Blue, he thinks, like, he figures they've reached the uh, Red Ribbon Army Island, like they have a base there, but it turns out he's completely wrong, and he's got this little, he's got the screen in the plane that shows him images of the island, and so this is the first uh, glimpse we get that this is Penguin Village, and so there's images of the buildings, there's images of Superman in his tent. And then the last one is just Nico-chan, a close-up of him. We see a lot more, right away, we see a lot more cameos and just little, like, people who appear for half a second. Yeah, yeah. And just things like that. And so we get to Akane, who, in this version, she's with everyone in the coffee pot. 
and Arale isn't with them. And they're, they're talking about their summer plans, just sitting there, not walking or anything. And Senbei shows up, but he's the only one who does that kind of gratuitous cameo joke. And so it's not a running joke like it is in the manga version. And then Arale shows up, and I mean, it cuts to Arale, who's running around outside. And as she is about to appear, there's all these other characters who are just like, looking up as she comes by yeah yeah and so it's there's a lot more ca- it's kind of interesting in that the anime version is doing a straight version of something the manga is kind of parroting because i mean with these crossovers there's always the the temptation is to just have as many characters as you can right because that's what the fans want to see but of course it it's really difficult to naturally fit in so many characters in a story and so the joke in the manga is that all these people are showing up for literally no reason just so that they can show up and akane is irritated by this while in the uh, anime version they do the kind of a it's like that, except it's not a joke. It's just, here's a bunch of characters for the sake of having characters, because you want them, right. I guess. Yeah. In the manga, like Toriyama does this, and his own characters call him out on it. And in the anime, they just play it straight. That's kind of my interpretation. Anyway, so after that, it kind of... I mean, once Goku shows up, it goes more or less the same at, in both versions. But then um, there's another point where Goku goes off to look for Blue, and he interview he. He goes around asking people if they've seen Blue. Yeah, yeah. And so it's another instance of just, uh, we see, oh, I know, at least five characters very briefly who yeah. he's talking to. It's a great way to just, for literally two seconds, just show a bunch of characters on screen without forcing it. Yeah, so it works relatively well. And so they do that. And the interesting thing is that a lot of the characters whose earlier joke cameos in the manga were cut in the anime version, that's kind of where they show up in the anime, like when Goku's looking around. Yeah, this is so fascinating to me because they're changing enough that they kind of have to rewrite how everything works without accidentally losing. I don't want to say anything essential to the plot because it's kind of obvious what's essential to the plot. But when you start changing stuff like this, you don't want to repeat something accidentally. It's just a, you really break it apart. It's a fun way to tear apart your favorite material and see how they really constructed it. Yeah. And so um, one another thing is that uh, Taro and Akane, they meet Goku while he's with Arale and they try to, like I said, they try to ru- uh, ride Kintoan, but they both fall through because right. they're both not very good. And so they have a lot more of these little things. Like, they, there's the thing where Arali breaks the patrol car and Gachan eats it. And there's the little side things where um, Senbei, he shifts into his handsome form very briefly. Mm, yeah. And we see uh, Arale with the Robo Beaton. And all these things, just little things. It's not even cameos. It's just more uh, more references to the original series just thrown in, like, the things the fans want to see. The anime does a lot more of those kind of things. Anyway, and then there's the other major thing, I guess, is the subplot with the police, where it's like, there's two, it's almost like there's two subplots. One with the police who know of the Red Ribbon Army, which is kind of interesting. I think it's whoever... Uh, I guess it's Taro who learns from Goku that the Red Ribbon Army has come to Penguin Village. And so when he hears this, he freaks out and he goes to tell the rest of the police. And then they go and they try and they find Blue, but he just beats them easily. And then they regroup and then they come back. And in the meantime, we see that Nico-chan has come to Earth. And there's that little subplot where he's just gathering garbage because he thinks this is a good idea. So then the police run into Nico-chan and they shoot down his UFO. And so that's kind of a thread that runs through. And yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I guess I should mention quickly that one of the, obviously all the, in the anime version, all the uh, Dr. Slump characters, they're played by their voice actors and actresses from the original Slump anime. And don't we have some Kikuchi music from Dr. Slump as well? Uh, I don't know. 
I think we do. I have to go back and double check. And if I'm wrong, I'll just edit this out and it'll never (laughs) have happened. So I guess we'll wrap up our discussion with what people might expect to be a larger discussion, but I don't know that it really is. And that's, do you consider or can you, and you is this kind of global plural you, not really distinct to any person in particular, can you consider Dr. Slump the continuity in Dr. Slump that is part of the canon of Dragon Ball? And Jake, how do we break down this mini discussion? I think there's, even if you're not the sort of person who gets really concerned with the matters of canon, if you read Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball, it's really difficult not to notice that there are various things that don't quite fit together. And so when you have the Slump characters turning up in Dragon Ball, it raises the question of just how does this work? And so I've got a little list of some of the more notable inconsistencies. Probably you can think of a lot more if you shouldn't be too difficult, but these are the ones that stand out to me. Okay. And so one of the main things is that in Dr. Slump, they constantly reference real-world countries. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, Jake, but Murasaki holds up a flag for, was it an American flag? Yeah, yeah, it was a U.S. flag. Okay. And yeah, that, well, I'll get to this later, but I mean, okay. one of the, the thing about all this is, is that at the time, there are much less of these inconsistencies. It's like, I mean, at the start of Dragon Ball, there's real, there's, I think there's the flag and there's, that might be it actually in the Japanese version. I know Viz throws in a like prar saying, isn't that the king of Hawaii? Right. The Kamehameha debuts and I think there's the, the Bangkok is mentioned. But anyway, I mean, there's, in either in any version, there's these uh, throwaway references at the start to real world countries, but then they just disappear, and we're eventually told that Dragon Ball World doesn't have those countries. It's a one world government, and we get the map of the Dragon Ball World where it's like you know there's no America, there's no Hawaii, they don't exist, and so the question is like how does this fit together? And so it's something that becomes more complicated the more complex Dragon Ball's own internal continuity becomes, you could say. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, on a similar note, uh, Doctor Slump throughout the series they reference real world years several times. Like uh, Arale, she gets her um, actually she gets a driver's license despite being in no way capable of driving. <laughs> and, so, well, and she has no reason to ever drive. Yeah, because she can run at Mach 1.5. But <laughs> either way, she gets it. Anyway, and on the license, it says she's born in 1967, and uh, which is her fake age. But anyway, and Taro, he gets his license, and it says he's born in 1970. Right. And so obviously that's the Gregorian calendar, real world numbers. In Dragon Ball, we are eventually told in the uh, Android storyline that there's this calendar that's uh, the age, the age system where uh, Cell, he comes from age 788. Right. And that's all we get in the main series. And then in uh, with the Daizenshu and then with uh, Dragon Ball Online, they've really expanded on this where they have the whole elaborate timeline of all the years like Dragon Ball uh, begins 749 ends in 784 all these years and so the question is it's like how why do they have one calendar over here and another calendar over there yeah yeah and so i mean the daizenshu they do get into this briefly where they say uh in daizenshu 7 that penguin village just uses a different calendar than the rest of the world <laughs> all right then i mean that makes sense it's like, in the real world we have different calendars there's the islamic calendar yeah the sure Chinese, sure the mayan which is about to run out and yeah you know, all these different things so it's not it's not like there's no way of getting around these inconsistencies. It's just, right, right. do you bother? Was this what Toriyama was thinking? I mean, probably not. Sure, sure. You can go there if you want. I mean, next up, there's uh, the afterlife. In Dr. Slump, they go to the afterlife briefly, and actually, it has Enma Dayo 
like in Dragon Ball, because he's a staple of uh, Buddhism, Hinduism. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of this caricature of what is already just a character from religion. I mean, he's not exclusive to Dragon Ball or anything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like going to heaven and meeting St. Peter. It's like, you just, it's a stock thing to happen. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, aside from Enma Dio, uh, the depiction of the afterlife in Dr. Slump doesn't match what were later shown in Dragon Ball. Like, they have uh, people, they're going to hell in a pirate ship for some reason and i don't know maybe there's a pirate ship in dragon ball and we never see it but again it's like do you want to try and reconcile this or not gotcha and so and then of course there's the god who sends a gotcha onto earth and it's said that he's the god of the galaxy and so if you think god of the galaxy in dragon ball that's supposed to be the coyotes Right. And he doesn't actually look like a coyote. In fact, he looks like Kame Senen. <laughs> this, I mean, Toriyama has gone on record as saying that he just recycled this guy's character design for Kame Senen. Well, I mean, that's one he's gone on record about. There are so many others from Dr. Slump. I mean, that could be a whole topic in itself. I know, either, I just, know. But let's not get into it. And so... So anyway, we've got this god in Dr. Slump who doesn't fit into the hierarchy that were shown in Dragon Ball. Right. So it's like, do you try and fit him in there? It's like, maybe he was the old Kaio. Maybe he's Kaio's secretary. Man, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Who knows? And so, and then besides all these specific things, there's uh, just a general sense that Dr. Slump isn't even, it just doesn't seem like the same reality as Dragon Ball. I mean, we've got the sun, which is has its a face and talks and uh, eats breakfast and oversleeps so that the day get daylight gets pushed back and you know that's not what we see in dragon ball sure you know i mean as crazy as dragon ball is it never really has talking poops <laughs> except in the crossover <laughs> exactly and i mean just all this stuff and so and so the question is does i mean oh uh, well first off we should ask what was toriyama thinking if anything yeah we always like to pull it back to primary sources here and how much more primary do you get than a word from toriyama himself but there's really nothing so yeah so i looked tried to look and see what i could find and to my knowledge toriyama of all the interviews that i know of which i think is pretty much any of them i mean <laughs> yeah don't want to toot my own horn but or do it in all these interviews i've never seen toriyama touch on the subject of how dragon ball and dr slump fit together however on japanese wikipedia they say that toriyama has uh referred to dr slump as being a parallel world from dragon ball mm. but they don't give a source okay so, great wikipedia in a nutshell so who knows but i'm just gonna assume until they can give a source for that i'm just not gonna take that into account sure and my guess would be just based on what toriyama has said not about the crossover but about about his writing in general right that he probably just did it and didn't think about the logistics i mean one of the things that i was saying before is that dr slump at the time didn't seem too different from dragon ball yeah, yeah all these things i mean i'm talking about the god hierarchy that wasn't around the years that's years in the future um the Real-world countries, they had real-world countries at the time, and it wasn't until later that they kind of went back and said, oh, that never happens. Uh, all the times in Dr. Slump, they break the fourth wall. Um, in Dragon Ball, early on, that's what they do, too. Yeah. And and then it just, like, Toriyama here show up in a tree saying, oh, this isn't Penguin Village. Yeah, you think back to just the very beginning of the series. There were Dr. Slump referenced jokes with Pilaf, Mai, and Shu. Yeah, so they have stuff like that. And then it just goes away until the Boo Saga. And so, yeah, yeah. And all these things. And so at the time, they seemed like a, probably seemed like a much more natural fit. 
and so probably he didn't need to put any thought into it just because it didn't seem to be anything more to it than Goku meeting Arale. Yep. And it's not until later where you've got like, okay, we've got a god hierarchy, we've got this map of Dragon Ball Earth, we've got the Dragon Ball timeline. How does this fit with Dr. Slump? I yeah, mean, just the not... map alone. It's like, where do you put Penguin Village on the map? And it's by Kame House. Yep. <laughs> Which is hilarious because Goku asks Arale if she knows where he lives and if it's that close, maybe someone should know. Nah, not all right. Probably not. No, well, no, not her. Arale doesn't know any. She's good at math because she's got a computer brain, but other than that, <laughs> right. she's insane. And so, and it is interesting, though, that, I mean, that kind of stuff, Toriyama's not thinking about it, but he goes to some effort in the crossover itself to explain why Penguin, why Penguin Village has no capsules. Yeah. Because... Obviously, this is a big part of Dragon Ball. It wasn't in uh, Dr. Slump, so, like, what's the deal? And so, Blue, he, he's talking with Superman. He's like, hey, do you have any capsules? And Superman has no idea what this is. And so, Blue says, oh, this really must be the sticks if you don't even know what capsules are. Mm-hmm, they're in the cities. So yeah, and so it's an interesting attempt. That's, that's the only thing we really get where it's Toriyama trying to make this work. Well, you also have something on your notes here, and that's the, the police force, anyway, seems yes. to know who the Red Ribbon Army is. Yeah, in the, in the anime version only, they, they are... Right, I right. I mean, Taro, he hears the name Red Ribbon Army, and he just pants yeah, and runs off. And they all know, all the other policemen they know, and so that would imply that they're on the same world, because otherwise, how would they know if they've never... If the Red Ribbon Army is just now getting to Penguin Village, but Penguin Village knows of the Red Ribbon Army, mm -hmm. then obviously there's got to be some connection here. This gets to possible solutions. And, I mean, no matter how you choose to resolve this, I mean, we can't just ignore the crossover itself. I mean, this is where Goku gets the dragon radar that he uses for the rest of the series. I know, right? I mean, and events happen to Goku, and they happen to Blue. This yeah. this happens. Yeah, Blue, he steals the Goku's radar in Penguin Village. He goes back to the headquarters. Right, he takes it with it, him. Yeah, he gives it to Red. That's how Red gets the rest of the Dragon Balls. And, you know, it's... You can't just ignore this, but this has to fit somehow, and the question is how. And, I mean, no matter which solution you go to, it seems like more trouble than it's worth. But yeah. here we go. This is what I've come up with. So solution number one is that Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball are just flat out the same universe. All the continuity errors are just nothing more than that. They're just errors, because this is how Toriyama writes. I mean, there's all kinds of inconsistencies within Dragon Ball itself, but we just kind of try to explain them away or just ignore them. Yeah, sure. And so, in this approach, this would be how we deal with Dr. Slump itself. It's like, it might not always seem to fit, but it does. Right. And then, but this is just one take on it. And then another approach would be to say that Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball are in separate universes. And so like the actual Dr. Slump manga, that's a different universe than Dragon Ball. But in the Dragon Ball universe, there's another version of Arale and Penguin Village, and they're all there, and it's like, it's similar to Dr. Slump, but all the inconsistencies don't exist. Right, so say. if you're going with this, you subscribe to the multiverse theory. I guess. And so you say that in Dragon, uh, in Dr. Slump, universe, uh, Gachan is sent to Earth by the god of the galaxy. But it, you could say that in Dragon Ball, Gachan has some other origin right. that is more consistent with what we see. Right. Maybe Kaioshin sent Gachan down there to, afraid of Earthlings getting too strong, kind of forget about it. Something. You can write some kind of explanation. Yeah. You're on your own, but you can do it. <laughs> exactly. I get, I've already given you too much. And so, and then the third one is that Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball, they're in separate universes, 
But uh, Goku and Blue, they cross over to the alternate universe. And this explanation is kind of given more credence from the TV adaptation. Yeah, because I mentioned before they had those weird colors while Blue goes so fast that he seems to break some kind of barrier and everything goes funny. And then when he stops, he has no idea where he is. Right. And so he thinks it should, like, he has an idea of where he should be, but he isn't for some reason. And so it could be that he's like, he's gone through the Bermuda Triangle or mm-hmm. something. Yep. And so he's just gone, I don't know. And so, I mean, this kind of works because I, the interesting thing is, is that even in Dr. Slump, Penguin Village is shown to be a weird place in relation to the rest of the world. <laughs> it's true. Like uh, people who come to Penguin Village from outside, they're amazed when they see that like the principal of the school is a bore or that uh, poop talks. And so it could be that it's like, uh, I don't know, on the access point between alternate dimensions. Mm-hmm. It's like a hub or something. But I guess this would be, I mean, standing against this would be the fact that the villagers know of the Red Ribbon Army. But I don't know, you could deal with that in its own way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, in the same way that you could say Dragon Ball has alternate Arale and Co., you could say that the Dr. Slump universe has an alternate version of the Red Ribbon Army. Sure, sure. Who knows? But, and then the fourth approach is just to not think about it. Ever. I almost subscribe to this theory, if you can't even call this a theory. I think that brings us to a close, Jake. It's just up to each uh, viewer or reader to decide what they want to do. I think so. All right. So all this information coming to you, uh, I guess, coming to an internet near you at some point in the near future. And by near future, we mean several years, probably. Who knows? All right. Jake, why don't you give Constantine a plug before we take off here? Yes. I and Hujo can be found in our homes, but also at Constantine.com, www.com. K-A-N-Z-E-N-T-A-I dot com. That's Konzentai with two N's, in case it's not obvious enough. All right, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon then. Thanks. Yeah, okay. Bye. All right, Julian, you have returned to do releases and feedback with us. Uh, we were we were going to do February and March releases. Well, March's stuff is canned now. The Blu-ray is no longer coming out. Uh, I do believe that part seven of Kai is still scheduled for the end of March. Maybe we'll see it. So I guess we'll just handle February for now. Uh, this is right. a really, really big one out in your area right now. What is going on? Yes, Psycho Jump. Monthly issue number three for March 2012. This is published by Shueisha, of course, for 480 yen, and it's packed with a bonus DVD with a plan to eradicate the Super Saiyans and episode of Bardock. So I haven't actually bought this yet, so I probably should. Yeah, you need to um, run down. uh, You have a copy? Actually, I can pick up one for you if you need it. Uh, I did order one, but I would like you to pick up a couple extra copies. I'll uh, send you some money if you need it. That's fine by me. Uh, anyway, uh, for those of you who are interested in picking it up, it's 457 yen at CD Japan. That works out to what, about 550, 600? No, hold <laughs> <they> cents. <laughs> $556. About 600 cents. That's about your Julian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a little bit. Um, well, when you're yeah. used to working in multiples of 100 over there, I mean, that's just how your brain's been wired over the last few years. Yes. I, I've noticed in say, instead of saying things like $100, I, I tend to say Ichiman, which is, I guess, 10,000. <laughs> Ichiman cents. dollars. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> 
that 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 would be that would be a lot of money, and I'd appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's out. Uh, our buddy K seventeen, who's over there in Japan, he uh, got his already. Tanuki did like three day shipping on his, so he's got his copy already. Uh, I think CD Japan, the the way the shipping options have changed, FedEx is actually cheaper than uh, airmail now. So a lot of people have been. <gasps> Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I should tell my parents. It's kind of crazy. So uh, a lot of people have actually already gotten their discs. Um, well, I say they've gotten their disc, but I guess it's they've gotten their magazine with the bonus DVD. But I think the way we've all seen it is you're buying a DVD and getting a bonus magazine. So they've been putting Fantastic. up uh, pictures of everything, the cover, the magazine itself. And, oh, yeah. I guess there's another chapter of Dragon Ball SD in this issue as well. And it looks like there's a little Cybi Man gag in there. So I'm kind of looking forward to checking this out again. All right, so we spent enough time on that. We're going to do a full review on it probably next week if mine comes in. So the only other release for February is over in France, Kanzenban, volume 18. So they are, oh geez, is this still Cyan? I think this is in the Frieza. Let's check real quick. Volume 18, we are into, was Dodoria Zarbon stuff. So yeah, we're square into the Namek stuff there. Good times. Right. So uh, yeah, February 22nd from Glenot, uh, 10.50 55 euros 1002 if you pre-order over on Amazon France so you've uh, got a little bit more to pre-order there so with that out of the way we're yes. uh, geez let's do some feedback here before we recorded the topic a few days ago, because one of those Frankenstein monster episodes, things have already been completed before we do other things. What did you know about this Dr. Slump crossover before you read it, before you saw it? Were you familiar with the characters? What was your impression upon checking it out? And we got a bunch of responses over on Facebook. So we're going to cruise through uh, a few of these here. Uh, let's just start going down the list. Buddy Joe says, I heard he's not even a real doctor. <laughs> Really? Balls. Nice one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we have a few more serious ones. Julie, why don't you uh, kick it off here? Okay. John Envard on Facebook says, I never knew who they were when I originally read the manga, but I still love them. Just goes to show Akira Toriyama really knows how to make lovable characters. Yeah. I, Julian, I think you and I will talk a little bit about this as we finish up uh, the responses yeah. here. But you agree with that? I definitely think so. Yeah. All right. Our old buddy. So glad to hear from him. Chris, who we know as Ramza from the old side Dragon Ball Blast. So glad you're still with us, man. It was a great introduction to the characters, and it's made me wish many times over that I could watch the anime with an English translation. Well, uh, you can. <laughs> it's on DVD. Yeah. Go pick it up, man. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You know what? If I go back... He's talking about Dr. Slump, not Dragon Ball. Oh. <laughs> I, uh. I totally misread that. Yeah, I would love to watch a Dr. Slump TV series with an English translation. You want to redo that one? Or no, no, gonna we're going to leave it as is. Posterity. It's, it's okay. morning for me. I didn't finish my coffee. This is what happens. Yes. All right. Next up, Harrison via Facebook says, smiling poop for the win. I'm all about this answer. I agree completely. Yes. <laughs> right. I'm going to take maniacal editors for the block. Um, <laughs> sorry, is that too obscure? No, no, it's fine. Okay. All right, Devin says, I think I knew of Dr. Slump, but I didn't know anything about it. However, I loved the crossover. Arale is awesome. All right. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name of this next person, but Wilkie... 
Willike. Anyway, a person on Facebook says, I didn't know much about Dr. Slump either, but after reading those chapters in Dragon Ball and seeing the characters appear in some video games too, I became curious and checked out the manga. I'm glad I did because it's really hilarious. I got to say, yesterday we did a a massive cleaning of our loft here at Casa de EX. Part of that was I got the new receiver in, so I had to rewire like all the video games and audio from the computer and stuff. So after I put them all back in, like, you know what? I think I'm going to pop in Sparking Meteor and I'm going to play Arale versus Blue. And I could not stop laughing as I made her just run (laughs) circles around the screen because she does that amazing thing where she sticks her arms out, closes her eyes, and her little feet are just going... (laughs) She just runs crazy circles and it was the greatest thing on the face of the planet. So uh, good times. I totally agree with Willa K there about uh, video game inclusions. And I believe uh, Dragon Ball DS2, which we got is Origins 2 also had some Dr. Slump stuff in there. I'm pretty sure I remember fighting Nico-chan and having a, a lot of problems smacking him out of the sky. So there's some good Dr. Hmm. Slump stuff out there in terms of video games that you can check out. Yeah. There was a, a Dr. Slump game that came out on DS, I remember, a few years ago that, of course, we never got over here. Uh, you should go back and check hmm. that out, see if it's any good. I think she was in Jump Superstars, too. Uh, yeah, know. yeah, she was. She was in Superstars and Ultimate Stars. Uh, and, of course, there was a fusion with Piccolo and Dr. Dr. Mashirito in the first game, Jump Superstars, that uh, I don't think got an official name. I think we kind of named him. I already forgot what that name was, but uh, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> I do have, I still have it up there. If you look in the upper right corner of Daizenshu EX, after doing that episode about the uh, kind of forgotten video game inclusions for characters, uh, I'm pretty sure I put a picture of him up there. That I, I'm pretty sure we only got one or two comments from fans who are like, I don't know who any of those characters are are up there i think i should probably change those out back to normal characters against anyway let's take it back to the comments here where are we uh liam says reading it for the first time never actually heard of dr slump previously but seeing these characters in dragon ball i had to find out where they came from i then became a dr slump fan great marketing intentional or not by toriyama for his previous series yeah julian what do you think about the marketing there because the japanese fans obviously already knew about it but in terms of an american audience that kind of retroactively marketed that series yes well i I don't know if it was actually marketing in the sense of japan since people already knew what it was and generally if they're trying to market something the editorial people you know cover the page in blurbs that are you know Mm -hmm completely blatant advertising but i think it does work as a sort of um a bit of a i don't know what you call it a bit of an introduction to characters who are well i don't know it's kind of invidious rest in terms of dragon ball yeah, because yeah. you're expected to know who they are right. but it, it's intriguing enough that you want to find out who they are word all right what else we got yeah. jonathan here all right jonathan on facebook says the penguin village sub arc in the anime was my first time ever hearing about dr slump but arale felt right at home as goku's quasi friend oh. Totally agree there. They're so good together, aren't they? Yeah, it's kind of strange because they're very different characters, but at the same time, they're both, you know, really strong and (laughs) don't seem to notice. Kind of dense. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Andrew says, I never heard of Dr. Slump before I watched those episodes, but after seeing that mini arc, I went out and bought the first volume of the series out of curiosity, and I've loved it ever since. So tying back to that, uh, just happens to work for marketing here in America. 
glad to see that. Mm. And next up is Grace, who says, when I first saw the crossover in Dragon Ball, I never even heard of, of Dr. Slump, but I enjoyed the Dr. Slump characters in Dragon Ball a lot. And the crossover is one of my favorite parts of Dragon Ball. When Viz came out with Dr. Slump, I did pick up the first few volumes, but I found I didn't enjoy Dr. Slump that much. Oh. It is a bit different. I mean, it's very pop culture gag heavy. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of jokes you wouldn't get if you're either not from Japan or not alive during the 1970s. Right. And, you know, Viz obviously did adapt some of that stuff. But this is something Jake and I talked about, where it's, as opposed to Dragon Ball, where it's just one long, continuous story, a lot of Dr. Slump stuff is just very episodic. So it's a chapter or two about one joke and then you're on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, in that respect, it's very different from Dragon Ball. But at the same time, it's kind of enjoyable in its own merits as long as you're willing to accept that you're never going to get some of the more obscure pop culture jokes. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, Colton says, always wanted to read Dr. Slump, but it was never sold at any of my local bookstores. Oh, Ouch. Well, there's always... Well, there is always the internet. Yeah, you can always go order it online. Uh, uh, where are you? Oh, Julian, you're next here. Uh, okay, Joan on Facebook says, kind of the way around for me. I only started getting the manga long after seeing the crossover. It was awesome either way. Superman and Arare for the win. And poop. I'm glad I'm not the only one who absolutely loves the smiling poops to death. I think they're the yes. greatest character characters in the series. Yes. Yeah, well. <laughs> Wrapping it up here, Justin says, I had never seen Dr. Slump, but because of the way the episodes focused on all these oddly developed background characters, I quickly picked up on it being a crossover. I immediately looked it up online to decipher where these characters came from. Yeah, I think that's something we as Dragon Ball fans have always done, uh, unless you were in Japan in 1984. 486 onward uh you didn't get the series chronologically so you always had to dive in at some point and then dive backward dive forward to decipher mm. what the heck is going on and especially with this where we didn't have it for the longest time so you had to do your research your homework on this one well i mean isn't that always the case i think my first episode of dragon ball z was i can't even remember anymore i think it was on the New York station that was at the time it was Warner Brothers right. and now I have no idea anymore. Oh, I, I know exactly what my first episode. Well, this is what I've been telling myself since 1996. So I'm not sure how accurate it is, but my story has always been and I'm sticking to it for now that uh, my best friend there in high school, that would have been my 1996 freshman year of high school, uh, caught the first wow. episode uh, in its syndication run. He was a big comic fan, so he already knew about it and was looking forward to it. And uh, he called me that that morning was like, dude, you missed something. It's great. You got to check it out next week. So that's when uh, and it was the Fantastic. kind of thing where and we've talked about this before, but I'd always been aware of it due to things like Electronic Gaming Monthly, EGM, uh, other video game magazines, because all the letter art and articles about things. And so I was aware of the show, but never really took the opportunity to get into it. So that was my first episode. And then quickly after my first fan subs were DBZ episodes 94 through 104, 105, something like that so yeah i jumped right into super science stuff after just being introduced to the characters so story of our <laughs> lives here as dragon ball fans yes uh, nostalgia all right julian before we uh wrap up the show here you and i um i just want to get your thoughts on this crossover was it good times had you you obviously weren't familiar with the characters at the time that you first read or saw this were you um you know i i, I sort of had an idea i think i might have 
I, I think the first time I saw it, I actually read the Viz translation of the manga, and they did put in yeah, some yeah. short blurb, these characters are from Dr. Slump. So I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder what that's about. Mm -hmm. So from there, I kind of found a little bit more information. And my Japanese was not so good at the time, so it was very sort of shaky, kind of, you know, half half translated from from Babelfish. <laughs> but, you know, I had sort of an idea of the characters. Right. Well, tell me a little bit more. Did you enjoy that crossover a lot? Did it make you really want to dive into Dr. Slump? Or was it just, oh, okay, this is cool, and then you kind of moved on? Well, it, it, it was funny, and it made me curious as to what Dr. Slump was about. You know, I, I didn't actually get a chance to see much of it for a few more years, because at the time, I my my sources for things from Japan were rather slim and also didn't understand Japanese. But, you know, yeah, yeah. eventually I was able to, you know, there was the Viz translation that eventually came out and now I can just sort of pick it up at some book off. Right. Thumb through there and um as long as my wife isn't going to call me and tell me to pick up something on the way home, I can read a couple of chapters. <laughs> I was going to say, you can probably pick up the Kanzenban over a book off there for, what, two or 300 yen? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not one of the 105 yen ones because it's more popular, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can get it for a decent price. All right, so uh, Julian, tell the fine folks the various ways of contacting Dyson X. Yes, well, first of all, if you're into that email thing, back in the day it seemed incredibly fast and convenient, but now it... Nowadays, it seems almost as, I don't know, torturous and effort-laden as sending an actual letter. <laughs> I know. But um, anyway, you can send your questions, comments, and responses, etc. to podcast at dizex.com. That's podcast at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. All right, Julian, the Twitter. You can find us on Twitter for your 140-character contortions of the English language at dizex for news and site announcements and individually at vegetoex, Saiya Jedi, and Mary T.O.T. And finally, Julian in the Facebooks. Yes, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thank you much. Before we wrap up the show as a whole, I do have to mention a one donation. Totally forgot to mention this over the last couple of weeks because it applies to something that I haven't received yet, but uh, I did want to mention it as soon as I could at least. Big thanks, major props to Ashura for a donation that covers my March Psycho Jump issue, the ordering the shipment of said item. It's going to cover the item in the review, so major, major appreciation to that. Hopefully that review in podcast form will be next week if it arrives by the end of the weekend. So you can look forward to that. And uh, that's all I'm going to mention about it. If you want to donate, there's a link on the side. Check it out. We explain why. Julian, thank you, sir, for joining me on this fine Super Bowl morning. Oh, it is Super Bowl Sunday, isn't it? i completely forgotten. Are you going to watch the commercials? Uh, yeah, I'll be heading over to Andrew's place to uh, drink beer and yeah. ostensibly watch television. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, the, the people come for the commercials and they stay for the football pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be mini hot dogs and I'm bringing beer. I'm good to go. I don't care what's All on right. the TV. So uh, does it even matter over there in Japan? Does anyone care? No. They say, what, uh, there's a big American football game that everyone watches? <laughs> I thought baseball was the national sport in America. <laughs> That's fun. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> All right. Julian, tell the fine folks, the website, sir. Yes. This is, wait. The website, do you mean? Yes, tell them where the website is and how to find it. That's internet, oh, internet workings. That. Right. 
I thought for a second. Well, I mean, I'm the one that's in the morning here and hasn't finished my coffee. This should be easy for you. It's almost time for bed over here. All right, fine. Anyway, you can find us on the World Wide Web at http colon slash slash www.daizex.com. That's daizex.com. Thank you for plowing through that. I appreciate it. And it was pretty difficult. Yes. Well, you know, this World Wide Web thing is pretty new (laughs) and interesting. I hear it's going to catch on. Julian, thank you again, sir, for joining me this morning. It's my pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. So for Julian over there, my name is Mike Vegito EX. For all the fine folks here at Aizenshu EX, which is the two of us. And thank you to our buddies over at Konzentai. We shall see you next week for 289 of our show. Have a lovely week, folks. We'll talk to you then. Okay, well, thank you for listening to this episode of Dai Zenchu EX, the podcast. Catch you next time. Honana. Oh,